This podcast is part of the Big Data Beards virtual race to Splunk.com. Be sure to tune in to all the racing action by visiting youtube.com forward slash Big Data Beard or simply visit BigDataBeard.com and click virtualracetoconf. You're listening to the Big Data Beard. Hi, everybody. This is Corey Minton, and I'm back with another episode of the Big Data Beard podcast that's part of the Virtual Race to .conf. Make sure if you haven't seen the broadcasts, go out to bigdatabeard.com and click on the virtual race to .conf and make sure you tune in to these amazing races that we're doing, surfacing insights and data from iRacing into Splunk, bringing really data to everything. And today our race is actually sponsored by our friends at Splunk. We're actually racing virtually, of course, at Laguna Seca, which happens to be what I think is called the home racetrack for a lot of folks around Splunk, given its proximity to the Bay Area. But today we have our friend Kia Benia. He's the VP of IT Markets for Splunk joining us. Kia, welcome to the Big Data Beard podcast. Hello, everyone. It's great to be here. Awesome, man. Well, hey, tell me a little bit, of Kia, about why you're excited to be part of the IT business at Splunk and why you think Splunk is such a, a powerful uh, a provider in the IT app space. Well, uh you know, my my uh, every day when I go to work, I I uh, I'm so excited about the opportunities that we have ahead of us. I've I've been a long time uh, practitioner and a participant in this industry in the IT operations space uh, for over 25 years, and um, and was so excited two years ago to join Splunk because I really saw uh, what Splunk was doing uh, was to democratize data and approach. Uh, old and new problems uh, in a very unique way. And uh, uh, we are in the data age. Uh, I, I, I lived through and professionally lived through the client server era, the web era, the virtualization era, and the uh, cloud era. And with each of those uh, technology trends, the management approach seemed to be, hey, let's build another monitoring tool to manage that new uh, uh, set of information that, that came out. And and Splunk has taken a very radical approach uh, to helping our customers uh, do more uh, and and you know bring data to every decision as 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 they uh, as as they go about. Uh, improving the lives of all of us, you know, wh whether you're the first responders uh, that need data to to understand how to, uh, you know, get, get get those services delivered faster, whether you work in a bank and it's about uh, how to become more uh, efficient or optimize, whether you're in the research department, you're trying to get uh, brand new applications out and transform the world, uh, data is the common denominator. And uh, it's an honor really to work uh, in a company that was a pioneer in this space and uh, has this amazing set of customers that, that innovate on top of our solutions uh, and, and make the world better. Absolutely. Well, I, I tell you what, it's, it's, I, I want to get your perspective because somebody who's been right at the heart of, you know, IT operations and how organizations have, you know, uh, managed through these, these massive evolutions I don't know if there's ever been a year that has acted as more of an accelerator to, uh, you know, call it digital transformation, but just really this IT becoming the core 
uh, mm -hmm. of everything that matters for so many businesses today. I'm curious from your perspective, you know, if, if 2020 is this supercharger for digital transformation, when you go out and talk to customers, how do you think it's going for most enterprises? Well, I'll be very honest. A lot of folks uh, all around the globe are just struggling, um, uh, struggling with what, you know, COVID and the pandemic has done in terms of their, their daily lives and, you know, kind of how, how work has changed. And, um, and, and the companies who already were ahead of the curve in terms of making the right investments in having a strategy around digital transformation and leveraging the power of data and cloud computing and all the other areas uh, obviously were ahead of the curve. But, but even those uh, are, are struggling to kind of understand what does normal mean? What is this new normal? What, what does it mean? to have a big portion of your workforce uh, be not just remote, but, uh, you know, be, be in and out of offices, uh, being able to work at different time zones and different timelines and collaborate and still innovate, you know, to address uh, problems. And, um, and, and certainly it's been a fuel for uh, an imperative for organizations to do more around digital without, without a doubt. It's an accelerator. People have a lot more appetite right now around transforming their business uh, and, and moving forward, uh, which, which should be exciting for all of us in the IT profession. But I do want to recognize all the hardship that it also has put on people in working uh, in, in ways that they never dreamt of or thought about. And, and, uh, you know, here at Splunk, one of the great things about our diverse customer base is that we do serve uh, those those organizations that are in the front line, and we get super motivated by what what they've done with our technology to address the challenges of this pandemic. Uh, we've seen healthcare organizations, uh, you know, in March uh, move to delivering telemedicine. Uh, as a primary uh, way for uh, to address non-COVID related issues to to their patients and bring back those very important services to their patients and doctors and use Splunk as a way of managing monitoring those critical services. We saw banks uh, uh, be able to expand their usage of mobile banking. Um, so while their branches were shut down, people could actually you know go on with their life and process. Payments. We've seen uh, organizations and uh, civilian and government area uh, start to deliver more services to their citizens online. Uh, unfortunately, some of those services are things like uh, you know unemployment and benefits, uh, things that uh, are very critical for for those citizens like never before. Uh, but uh, you know, so it, we're very proud to be partnering with all these companies and seeing our technology be uh, put to good use to make uh, what's not a great um, uh, what's not a great dynamic in the world a little bit more bearable and more effective. Yeah, and, and when we talk about workforce and this acceleration into the workforce transformation into a more remote workforce. From a, a monitoring perspective, you know, what is important and, and what is relevant in helping ensure that the remote workforce can can act and can work to the same level as as before, or even better? So, I think one of the things that uh, the pandemic has really highlighted is that the notion of having a network operations center, a NOC. Uh, being a group of shift workers staring at big monitors uh, <laughs> is not ideal. 
uh, it's not ideal during a pandemic when you can't be in a physical location. And if you are, you have to be uh, socially distanced. Uh, uh, this is actually something that n not related to the pandemic. We'd heard a lot of from or new organizations that are distributed in nature that like collaborating in a distributed fashion. Uh, the acquisition of Victor Ops and the investments that we made around integrating Victor Ops with uh, Splunk ITSI uh, really had this notion that said, uh, you know, work is going to be done collaboratively from anywhere. And uh, so many of the investments that we had made in our portfolio around uh, mobile technology, notifications, being able to see who's on call, who's available, what are the expertise that we have. Uh, fundamentally changes this centralized people staring at a uh, big screens model into the knock is in your pocket. You can work for one hour if you need to when you're needed or uh, be online all the time. How do we bring the data to, to that person? How do we bring the right data to that person, but let that person work from anywhere? And, and that's been a huge hit. Again, a lot of our customers are now actively uh, moving to that model uh, for all types of their uh, incident, major incident management or, or their knock operations. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, you, you talked about how, you know, we're, we've entered the data age and we came, we, we're, we're on the heels of the, the cloud era, right? Where the answer to everything is, you know, as IT and demands on IT, you know, it was, we, we need to go cloud first. And it was this, this kind of direction where organizations were trying to adopt it. And the reality is, is that, yes, that did result in some, you know, increased agility and some, some ability to deploy applications in new and unique ways. It also created some complexities, right? Because it wasn't, it's not in most organizations, it's not one cloud, it's a multi-cloud reality. So I'm, I'm curious, as you, as you go out and you work with customers who have, you know, come through the cloud age, and they're working now towards this data age. What are the what are the challenges that you're seeing that have manifested in this sort of race to cloud adoption that Splunk's actually helping customers address today? Yeah, it's interesting to put in context um, how cloud computing evolved. When it first started, it was very much a shadow IT thing. I I remember in 2011. I was part of President Obama's cloud commission that started looking at how to internationally set cloud standards so that uh, countries would not close up uh, their data and, and create a war, economic war around information and passing of information, et cetera. And we, we uh, worked on a set of proposals to help open up uh, cloud so that it goes from being boutique and used by uh, divisions and departments of companies to this broad adoption that it has. And one of the big elements of this is to uh, enable organizations to pick and choose the right cloud for their workloads. Uh, and so we're seeing a uh, major shift from a single cloud strategy or a on-prem and a single cloud, uh, you know, strategy that that basically was the hallmark of the last decade, uh, to to a model where most organizations have multiple cloud providers that that they use, and they're increasingly uh, leveraging cloud portability and cloud standards as a way of. Uh, ensuring that that the data and the workloads that they put into clouds can actually be moved. And, and also, uh, they don't want an operating model that's unique to a cloud provider. Uh, being able to have an operating model that allows you to monitor all the different clouds, all 
but both from an infrastructure metric perspective, but also from an application perspective, uh, is very commonplace. And uh, this reminds me a lot of uh, air traffic control. If if you had airports that uh, would restrict air traffic control to a certain type of planes, we would need a lot of air traffic controls, and that's just simply not scalable. So many of the organizations are separating their best practices, operational, uh, and monitoring capabilities that they need uh, from the individual clouds and, and looking for integrated solutions that, again, focuses on the data that they, they need uh, around how to protect the, uh, the the cloud, how to secure it, how to better uh, monitor it. And and that's what we're seeing is one of the hottest topics in almost every customer meeting that I have, which is uh, I'm barely managing my on-prem and cloud environment. How, how the heck do I uh, get the same visibility across you know multiple clouds and the applications that run on it? This end-to-end -end well visibility is a big challenge. Yeah, well, you just you hit on one of the big the big kind of uh, accelerators that has charged this 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 multi cloud reality, which is, you know, application development, the ability to create new software, new experiences to interact with customers and to our stakeholders, has driven this you know this kind of multi cloud reality, and monitoring you know traditional IT monitoring in the application development context really is is a challenge, and 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 I know that's why. Uh, you know, Splunk was excited last year to announce some of the uh, the acquisitions around SignalFX and Omniscient. And we're going to talk to uh, Karthik Rao about uh, observability in detail later this week on a podcast. But I'm curious from your perspective, as you start to think about the confluence of those uh, markets, right, of where application development teams are no longer uh, shadow IT using clouds uh, in the shadows, they're absolutely first-class citizens developing applications that are mission critical to the business. You know, what, what are you seeing in, in terms of synergies in the year since SignalFX and Omniscient were acquired as it relates to really modernizing IT operations management? Yeah, I, I think the, there are three pillars to every modern IT organization. Um, uh, one is to get infrastructure monitoring right. And infrastructure monitoring really spans, uh, you know, multi-cloud monitoring as well as uh, monitoring the infrastructure that that's still within a data center, whether that's virtualized or uh, even using some of the cloud techniques in, in you know, on-prem using containers and Kubernetes uh, to, to get some of the value that you have, even in cases where the applications that you have uh, uh, are not either cloud ready or there's, uh, there's challenges, uh, business challenges around moving them to the cloud. So infrastructure monitoring to me is a prerequisite and foundational for organizations to get that. And, you know, while we talk a lot about the term monitoring, let's not kid ourselves. It's investigation and monitoring. It's the ability for you to be able to uh, proactively be alerted and see what's going on in the infrastructure, but have, have the data uh, to be able to investigate that. And uh, the unique opportunity here is to move from broad-based log-only investigation to a combination of metrics and logs and have directed troubleshooting where you can find that needle in the haystack much quicker. The second pillar is around observability, and I'm very excited that you'll be talking to Karthik. He's 
definitely a visionary in this space and, uh, you know, has spent uh, a number of years, uh, you know, bo- both at, at uh, Signal Effects and now uh, working hand in hand with us uh, in, in taking the strategy to the next level. What's the next generation of apps going to look like? How do you bring log metrics and traces, uh, leveraging open uh, standards into the mix? So that instead of chasing your application teams and hoping that they use your logging standards, which has been, you know, kind of the state of the art for the last decade, we have these applications that automatically are instrumented to provide valuable insights as they go into the wild and get used. Um, so very excited about observability and the value it brings to augment and complement uh, infrastructure monitoring. And the last piece of the puzzle is around this thing uh, we call AI ops, which is the ability for you to take uh, domain agnostic data, uh, run it through a set of uh, purpose-built algorithms, uh, and identify uh, anomalies, uh, cluster events and noise, and reduce the noise that comes out of these infrastructures. These, uh, these hybrid environments are very noisy. You know, the more monitoring that you have in the environment, uh, uh, it's natural that you're going to get a lot of alerts and warnings and, and you need something that, that can really digest that, uh, look at the key KPIs and be able to make uh, predictions around around the future health of those systems. Uh, and and ITSI is our flagship product that that performs that that function and is being integrated even more deeply with Signal. So I'm very excited about the combination of uh, Signal Effects uh, monitoring, our uh, Splunk uh, core platform, and ITSI, and uh, bringing those technologies together and and really fulfilling some uh, end-to-end use cases where organizations get get that end-to-end visibility across their uh, entire stack, both from an application standpoint, from a business service standpoint, and from the cloud monitoring standpoint. So one of the things you talked about was, uh, you know, about this concept of AI ops being that we're applying machine learning uh, and modern kind of AI practices to large amounts of data, non-human scale data, right? But in Gartner's sort of AI ops wheel and the definition, they they really frame it as it's, yes, that, you know, that portion of, of AI applied to an IT use case is critically important, but to complete sort of their definition and their vision for it, it's that we're, we're recommending, we're not only predicting things that happen, but we're recommending the right next action so that we either avoid the action, the, the, the issue altogether, or that we automate that remediation activity very quickly, thus then training our models to be better at identifying those, you know, errors and those things that happen and outages in IT that are such the, the thing we don't want. So I'm curious from your perspective, like as you look at the, you know, the um, the investments that, that Splunk has made, both from a product perspective, but also from an acquisition perspective, how you see Splunk really rounding out and completing that AI ops vision. Yeah, that's a, that's a great observation. Um, AI ops is not just about uh, running a bunch of algorithms on the data, but making those uh, insights actionable. And uh, so where we started on this in the last uh, 18 months is to take take a look at our portfolio across uh, all, all the layers of both data collection, analytics, 
and and identify areas where uh, that action could take place. And so uh, some are very obvious uh, when uh, in event management with an ITSI, you can take corrective action. Sometimes the corrective action could be, I want to open a ServiceNow ticket. It could also be a... Uh, an area that you can invoke a set of orchestration activity, pass in parameters so that uh, you have the intelligence to take that corrective action. Uh, the exact same thing can be said around signal effects or Victor ops where uh, within their uh, product sets, we can invoke a automated action as a response to a uh, threshold or, or an activity that's happening within that product. Uh, what that allows us to do is to, do two things. One, uh, build a set of rich analytics, uh, which are prior to an exception or a trigger that, that takes place. So, so you're making the tool much smarter before they invoke that external action. And second, uh, while we have developed a set of pre-built integrations with Phantom, our, our uh, SOAR product, our security orchestration product, which is very popular, not just for security, but also for IT. We have over 70 playbooks for IT use cases that uh, are, are part of the SOAR uh, content or, or part of the Phantom content. Uh, we have bi-directional integration. So as we invoke these automations, uh, once the automation performs its activity, it can either bring back an extra set of data that can be used for additional investigation or make the analytics re richer, or simply to tell you, hey, I went out there and I, uh, I rolled back a piece of software. I took servers off of the main transaction line. Um, so that the analytics can then continue to evolve and get richer or reset its model and move ahead. So uh, very much our vision is this closed loop uh, view where you can start with the analytics. Uh, you know, obviously that's driven on data that's been collected. Take action have the action result in either more data or the end of a activity that took place, and then perhaps close the loop with the post-incident review or uh, opening up a incident ticket or closing incident ticket that was opened up in ServiceNow. Very powerful capabilities. Again, I invite all of you who are attending Conf to... Um, uh, be sure to tune into my super session. I'll I'll be talking a little bit around uh, the latest around AI ops and some of the new uh, uh, functionality that we're bringing in into ITSI and the domains that we're targeting, as well as the broader integration across the entire portfolio. Nice. Now, now one thing is I think is is interesting is that AI ops isn't just a um, a collection of concepts and and ideas that apply to you know, this cool new class of modern applications, you know, deployed in containers in the cloud. Like it's not, you know, it's not only for that. AI ops applies to mission critical applications. I'm curious, are you seeing uh, adoption or a Splunk, you know, really building some of these AI, AI ops capabilities specifically targeted at really modernizing the way that we run maybe some more traditional uh, enterprise applications? Absolutely. I think um, AI ops, in order for it to not just be a buzzword, but have uh, business value that's very tangible, it needs to be applied to uh, specific problems. And uh, we, over the last year, started looking at patterns that we saw within customers. And uh, there were a couple of patterns that... Um, uh, you know, were very common. One was uh, around uh, remote access and remote work. 
uh, you know, folks that are using Citrix or VMware or environments that they need remote access and troubleshooting those complex environments was very hard. So uh, we've developed a set of content packs that, that makes this easier for customers to be able to bring that rich, diverse set of data into ITSI and help build visibility and glass tables around that. We also saw a similar thing in uh, complex ERP systems. And uh, one of the areas that we'll be making some announcements on is, uh, again, out-of-the-box capability around being able to take an SAP environment and bring the SAP data. Uh, it is Splunk, so how do we co-mingle it and mash it up with data that, that comes in from the infrastructure, uh, but have some out-of-the-box capabilities around uh, KPIs that are best practice KPIs and then use the AI and ML capabilities to do predictive analytics uh, around outages uh, that can be avoided or service disruptions that could be avoided within the SAP environment. So uh, more focused AI uh, offerings are definitely on the card. Uh, and uh, we're very excited to share that with our customers at, at Conf. So I'm super excited first to, to hear about that at Conf. I can't wait to hear those announcements. Um, another thing that we always hear about at Conf and just in general are the exciting customer use cases and stories about how they're using Splunk to make a difference in IT and their business just all around. I'm curious, what's one of your favorite ones that come to mind most recently? I think there's so many of them. Um, I, I would be remiss if I pick one customer out. I, I think one of the hardest things at Splunk is the group, which I'm not a part of, by the way, so please don't send me any hate mail that has to make the tough decision on uh, what what's the customer case study that doesn't, you know, does, doesn't make the cut. And usually it's not because they're not amazing and they're not awesome. It's just literally we're limited by the, by the number of slots that are available. And it's a very, uh, very tough process, but I'm most excited about uh, use cases and, and customer stories that uh, blend uh, IT with uh, business, uh, you know, with, with things that we can relate to. Uh, many, again, many of our customers are, uh, you know, converging things. So one, one of the great case studies last year that I remember was 3M, and I think it, it actually won an award because uh, it, it, it showcased the power of Splunk across multiple facets around manufacturing. And, you know, of course, uh, a year ago, we thought of 3M very much as a, as, 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 as a great innovative company that, that, that gives us uh, post-it notes and, and tape. And uh, now we, we think of them as a very critical company that, that, that is in charge of protecting us and giving us PPEs. Uh, so, uh, there are lots of examples. I, I don't want to pick one, but I love the ones that blend uh, the customer-facing set of services with the technology challenges behind the curtain that all of us as IT practitioners and professionals have to navigate. Um, and uh, and those are some of the best. So I'm, I'm not going to pick one, uh, but we do in our super session have a menu. And I encourage every one of you to reach out to your uh, uh, Splunk team. Uh, they should have a curated set of both, uh, you know, sessions and customer uh, information that you go in. And I'm, I'm looking forward to Boss of the Knock. Uh, I can't, I can't, every year that, that amazes me. And I know our team has uh, very special things in store for you on the Boss of the Knock as well. 
Absolutely. Well, you know, that's, that's awesome to hear the things you're excited about. Actually, I'll tell you this. I'm, I'm excited to tell you that we're actually partnering with the boss of the knock team to, uh, to surface some cool things around the virtual race to dot conf in boss of the knock. So stay tuned for that. And I certainly encourage folks we've seen you Kia. You've been the man on the stage and so many of the keynotes for it. I'm assuming, are you leading the super session again this year? For I IT? am. I am. And I'm, I'm, uh, joined by, uh, my very talented, uh, uh partner, uh, Kara Gillis, who is, uh, who's really going to showcase some of the new innovations in the product side. So, uh, I'm, I'm super excited about it. Um, very proud to kind of represent the IT group here and our fuel is your feedback. So, uh, please let us know, um, throughout conf and afterwards, uh, uh, you know, uh, were the innovations on the right, right track, uh, any, any additional ideas, um, always we're accessible and our fuel is again the customer feedback that we get uh we we work very hard to uh make sure that we live up to the benchmark and the expectations that you all have and uh have fun doing it by the way on laguna seca can i say a word on on laguna get seca it. so yeah i, I i've had the privilege and the pleasure of driving on that track uh during a team building event many many years ago and in fact, I, I may have even uh, been in a car accident on Laguna Seca. It has a fantastic corkscrew uh, bend that is absolutely legendary. And uh, so I'm very excited that we're sponsoring the Laguna Seca leg of, of this race. Uh, uh, almost smell the rubber uh, burning on the track. You'll never forget it when, you, when you're there in person. Well, that's awesome. So, Key, it's been so awesome having you on the Big Data Beard podcast. It's been amazing to hear what Splunk is doing in the IT ops space with AI ops and all the great things that you're bringing to customers. Um, because you're just so interesting, we want to learn even more about you. We're going to shift now to a segment that we like to call Rapid Fire. We've learned a lot about our guests today, but now it's time to get a bit more personal in a segment we like to call Rapid Fire. Okay, are you ready for the rapid fire? I am. All right. Let's so, go. All right, let's do it. So what has been the most productive thing you've done during COVID? Uh, I grew a vegetable garden that fed my entire family uh, during the month of April and May. Oh, that's awesome. Especially when you know the, the food delivery was very hard to get, right? Uh, what did you grow? So I grew tomatoes, basil, uh, apple tree. I mean, I, I obviously planted the apple tree a couple of years back, but we were able to effectively not have to visit a grocery store's uh, vegetable aisle. Uh, kale, lots of kale. Kale was very big, two meals at least uh, uh, worth of kale. So uh, oh, that, very proud awesome. of that. Yeah. <laughs> that, well, that that's good. It, it was the, the year to do it, right? Uh, yes. What book would you recommend to our listeners? So I'm I'm kind of old school um, in terms of science fiction. I'd love a lot of the Asimov uh, books. Uh, uh, I also uh, read uh, uh, you know poetry. So again, it depends on kind of what, what what your mood is at. I I would just highly recommend stay away from all the political uh, books right now. Yeah. <laughs> just just because I think I think the st additional stress is not there, but. Uh, what, why don't I, uh, you know, what, why don't I stick to the basics and, and maybe, uh, recommend a, uh, let, let me think what, what would be a great book for your listeners? This is such a hard, 
you know, hard choice. Um, actually, the Moonshot Effect is a great book. Um, that it's it's a little bit of tech, a little bit of storytelling. Um, it's uh, it's disrupting the business as usual. Lisa Goldman uh, is is one of the authors on that, so highly recommend that book. All right. All right. All right. Well, it's got a little bit of science fiction, a little bit of business, and a little bit of poetry, I guess. So it's, just a little bit of everything. Yeah. I like it. So obviously, in, in the time of the pandemic, a lot of people are staying home. Uh, a lot of people are watching and catching up on, on TV shows. Are there any shows that you're binging on right now? Yeah, you know, I uh, my wife and I uh, got onto Netflix. I, I had missed uh, uh, The Crown, so mm-hmm. that, that was... Uh, Kind of a good, uh, good historical uh, view. Uh, so love the crown. All right, I have to check that out. I have not seen that yet. Yeah. I've, I've been uh, catching up on a few shows myself, but that I'll add that to the list. Any recommendations you have for me? So I, I want to turn the, the questions your way. <laughs> so Corey, the office. <laughs> I think I've watched the office twice over during the quarantine. So. Now, now you guys must have seen the original series out of the UK, right? I've Not seen I've seen good. some of the episodes, yeah. Oh my god, you have to watch it. It was unfortunately only I think a season and a half, but uh, I mean I love them both. Uh, I won't pick one versus the other, but it's just amazing to hear that English accent, uh, you know, and and kind of the the gloominess, uh, you know. It, it, I guess I guess office uh, workers uh, is a global ph- phenomenon with with bad bosses and. Uh, all all the good things that goes into that. So well, I'm gonna take binging shows to the next level and say binging movies and watching the entire Marvel series from in chronological order of when they happened. Uh, that was that's, that's it took me a long time. It wasn't over over a week or a weekend. I, I I do have other things to do, but that was one of the things that I did that was actually uh cool to go back and see all those as they kind of un, unfold at you know from a timeline perspective. Yeah, that's incredible. I've, I'm a huge fan of all, all of those movies. And in, in, uh, in many ways, you can't go back and watch the original, like the first version of those a- after the production that you've seen. It just, uh, it's like incredible to think that in the, in, in the 80s, we were looking at Incredible Hulk with makeup and like, mm-hmm. you know, very, very poor production to, to where, where they're at right now. So. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, Speaking of technology, what is your favorite piece of technology right now? <laughs> so I, uh, my, my house, can I say that? Absolutely. So I'm, I'm pretty big into IoT and oh. kind of just every, every, everything that can be automated, even though it's needless. So, so, uh, so what's your favorite? So I am a huge home automation, um, home assistant fan. I, uh, yep, yep. I've done it all. Uh, what, what's your favorite automation or your favorite, uh, um, entity, so to speak. So, so I, I don't, I can't pick one. I think the, the one that's, uh, probably given me the most, uh, joy has been, uh, you know, on the entertainment front, being able to kind of watch and stream, uh, anything from any, uh, you know, any device to any screen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so the, you know, beauty of that is just, you know, football season, you can watch five, you know, five games if you wanted to on one screen, uh, or, or five screens if you wanted to. So I've been playing around a lot with that, with Savant around multi, mm-hmm. multi, uh, source distribution, 
uh, also digital art, you know, just having cheap displays that we all have that are now energy efficient and being able to uh, get a get a, uh, you know, Arduino or, or a Raspberry Pi as a as an art server and, mm -hmm. and and looking at cool things that you can do with that, not just with graphics, but also uh, synchronizing that with music and you know kind of al almost like you know uh, uh you know multi multi-factor pieces uh rain sensors has been fun uh air quality sensors now with, yeah, with what's going on with one. the fires and uh i want to plug a couple of things that are just incredible and hopefully uh you know uh, uh maybe your listeners uh, would would find the same benefit that i saw was uh, you know, just attaching a Wemo to a uh, water heater. And, and like so many of these water heaters are on schedules so that, you know, unnecessarily the water gets hot and then they, 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 they heat up the fire uh, uh, water during the day. What we found is because of the pandemic, uh, nobody's leaving the house. So we have, we have schedules that are very predictable. Mm -hmm. And instead of having that on a schedule so that, you know, it would, you know, unnecessarily use up a lot of energy, we've connected that now to you know amazon echo you'd say hey connected to a scene so you know during the morning you wake up the water heater can run for two hours and it shuts itself up if you want to take a shower midday you just all you have to do is remember to tell your assistant five minutes before you take the shower to, to heat up the water and that makes a meaningful difference uh, believe it or not in terms of both electricity usage and carbon footprint so it's things like that that I love where you can kind of use the power of scheduling and automation mm -hmm. uh, to either reduce costs, spend, you know, turn off different parts of, you know, you know, your your digital life. And <laughs> in some and cases, of never splunk it all. Right. And and splunking it. So yeah. that's actually the other thing that I love is using splunk to uh, and, and even ITSI specifically to define KPIs and kind of get more sophisticated around that. So where can our audience find you on social media? So I'm at Kia Benia, um, you know, on Twitter, pretty easy. And, uh, and uh, usually uh, I'm, I'm more of a lurker, but, uh, and then on LinkedIn as well. Okay, awesome. We'll have to make sure that our audience follows you on both those platforms. Okay, it's been so awesome having you come on and just give us a little bit of a, a glimpse into comp this year and what Splunk is doing in the IT ops space. Thank you so much for joining us on the Big Data Beard Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Big Data Beard Podcast on our virtual race to .conf 2020. For more information and to see all of the virtual race content, check out bigdatabeard.com forward slash br2c. Special thanks to our partners, Splunk, Dell Technologies, Red River, Hippo Digital, Intel, Arrow, and McLaren.